Welcome to the INTP Musings Podcast. Today I'll be talking about questions that to which Google doesn't have the answers. Um, the older I get, the more I realize that there are lots of things that Google doesn't have the answers to because partly just humans can't know the answer and no human knows the answer. Uh, and, and or just there's really obscure or deep questions that uh, have either maybe they have complicated answers or uh, they just <coughs> they're like a trade secret like like I have a lot of weird technical questions that are just very specific to very unique situations that you can't necessarily Google and Probably if someone knows the answer, it's probably a trade secret or just, or they know a different version of the answer to that question um, because the question pertains to a certain type of product of which there are many different iterations and they're all different and the answer varies from version to version. So that the answer to your question might not even be out there and you have to kind of settle for something lesser. Uh, yeah, and I just, I just really, really knew, noticed, starting to notice that knowledge is quite nuanced, and there's an infinite amount of knowledge out there, uh, even about one topic, because the question you ask can be narrowed down to so many different answers. Even if you think the question is quite specific, it might actually not be. And there might actually be tons of answers. Um, Trying to think of an example, because I, uh, I had I should have recorded this when I was thinking about these questions before. But well, for the one type of the first type of question that I said that humans can't know the answer to, I was I was just I was looking at my I was looking at a picture of a grasshopper very close up and you could see the exoskeleton looks quite hard it looks quite formidable and I'm just like man as rough as that thing looks I could easily squish it I could just step on it and just crush that exoskeleton it would be horrific for the insect and then I was like but would it how horrific would it be actually like what is it even like to be an insect being squashed I asked that question what is it like to be an insect being squashed and I, and I was like, oh, I can't Google this question. No one, and if, I mean, I could, and maybe I'd find an answer, but that would not be a reliable answer because it would just be from a speculative human standpoint. And that answer might, that answer would be just as good as the answer that I could conjure, so... Even if it was from like an entomologist or something like that, like they don't know what it's like, what it's what the experience of being squashed is like, as an in, from an insect's perspective. So, and that's actually what triggered this uh, podcast, because I don't know. I think it's I think it's it's just interesting, like. I used to think that humans had so much knowledge, but the more research I do and the more questions I ask, 
are starting to realize just how limited our scope is, even in the so-called information age. Uh, I can't even imagine living in the 80s or further back. Um, so, so yeah, the insect thing. That's that's yeah, that's that's one domain of of questions. Like, just questions that the answers, the true answers, aren't out there in human language because humans can't actually know that. Um, now, I guess you could go into sort of a weird thing where you talk about people who have entered extremely altered states of consciousness under the influence of drugs, deep, deep meditative states, have experienced insect consciousness or something like that. But I would take all of that with a huge grain of salt because anyone can lie about something like that. And even if they are telling the truth and they did have this experience, first of all, how do you know that's actually a true experience and that's actually what insect consciousness is like? And second of all, how do you know that the information that they've brought back from that state is intact the way they experienced it? Like, you lose a lot when you wake up from a dream. Uh, why would it not be the same um, waking up from, or not waking up, just recovering from... When you when you come back from an experience like that, so I would take I would take those anecdotal reports with a huge grain of salt, and yeah, so my statement remains intact that uh, some questions, the answers to certain questions do not exist. Um, uh, yeah, but now now back to the more technical questions that do have answers that can be attained. Um, there are, I would, hundreds or thousands of times more questions than there are answers, because people aren't investigating that much. R&D is expensive, and people only really need the answers to the questions that lead to profit. And furthermore, uh, they, uh, I lost my train of thought, they, it's just that they don't have a reason to know certain things. And and, and even the R&D and the, the, the questions that people ask that they do find the answers to, how much of it actually gets written down and recorded in an accurate and correct way accessible on the internet? Very, 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 very small percentage. So, number one, the information in the public domain is incomplete. Number two, uh, the information that humans have ever gathered is incomplete because they're not asking all the questions. And number three, yeah, so that's, there's no number three. That's just, it's just, questions don't have answers. And, and that's quite intriguing to me. Like, it, it makes the world seem like a more open place. Um, that neat. Like it makes the world seem like much more of a work in progress than a than a complete completed state. It's it basically flips my view of the world on its head that I had when I was a child, thinking that <coughs> institutions have all the answers and humans have gathered all the knowledge and science is complete, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And the the more I live, the more I realize this this is a extreme work in progress this is like we're just like a network of beings who are 
learning what we can, when we can, with the amount of time and resources that we have, putting it out there, and that's in the state that it's in when we're finished, and it's a lot of open questions and a lot of a lot of work to be done, and and it's one would one would think that one would get depressed by that, but no, I think the fact that the world is fragmented and incomplete is excellent because that means there's work to be done. There's there's ventures to go into. There's basically there's basically there's exploration to be done, and there's it makes the human experience seem much more meaningful when you can actually add to it and you can improve the state of things. Um, I'm just trying to think of an example of a technical question that you can't necessarily find. Well, I guess one, find the answer to, I guess one thing is if you use like a niche program, um, like some weird open source version of uh, like a niche technology that there's not there maybe there aren't very many first of all like maybe the original developer has abandoned the project but you can still find it on github or something and you've been working with that code for a while and you get stuck and you google things and the search results are so sparse and of course you don't find the answer you maybe try and email the developer. He doesn't respond because he's abandoned that email address and that project long ago. And so you realize that it's just you. You're alone on this vast frontier using this weird code for your for some obscure project that you decided to work on. And it's and and you realize it's just you and you're a pioneer. And and then you think, wow, it's this I mean, this project is interesting. Like maybe I should publish the things I learn about this code. Maybe I should become a developer. And then, and then that's just this type of, these types of realizations kind of make you, make you feel excited because it makes you feel like you're on the bleeding edge of something. And like, I'm the only one doing this. No one else is doing this, at least publicly. And I don't know. It's, it's an exciting feeling. It's like a, it's a pioneer type feeling and and yeah like and if you're if you're comfortable if you're okay with being in the vast unknown then it can be quite an exciting this can be quite an exciting time because there's infinite number of things you can do with computers so human potential, the human potential that's been unlocked with computers and technology is infinitely more greater in magnitude than what we had before, back when, before the computer was invented. And we've just, we're just scratching the surface. We haven't even begun to tap into all of the possibilities. Um, part of the reason is because the technology is still improving but i think the bigger the biggest and most important reason is that most people don't dive that deep most people have a windows operating this machine and they use their computers for email and microsoft word and they don't realize that you can have full control you can have linux and and linux is user friendly you can have ubuntu linux and just like windows except you have full control 
You can use open source software that you could modify yourself. You could do anything. You could literally do anything now. And and open source is getting extremely good. Like, um, Linux is getting better every year, and and I think we're we've we're just being we're just seeing the beginning of what people can do with technology, and and I, and I'm hoping more people choose to dive deeper in the future and and choose to to see what this is all about instead of I I hope to see more developers and less users, uh, well not less users but I want to see more users also becoming developers because people are people don't realize their potential and people are under exploring their full potential like anyone can do anything now like uh the digital world is the final frontier and <clears throat> there are just so many unanswered questions and so many potential paths of exploration and this the number of people on the leading edge is, is is kind of disheartening considering that this is where all the progress will be made on the bleeding edge so and I, and I and I guess I get it that people are busy and <clears throat> not everyone's tech minded and some most people just want to um, enjoy their time with their friends and family and work to live and not live to work. I get all that. So that's and I yeah it's, I guess it's human nature to uh, kind of not do the hard things because it can it can be quite challenging. Not do the hard things. Do the bare minimum to get by and just party on the weekends. But I don't know. I guess and I and I and I slide into that often. So I guess it's a cultural change we need, a cultural shift. Um a new way to perceive quote unquote work and life work-life balance that whole thing that whole duality between work and life is, is it kind of makes developing and doing interesting things like that a drag because it gets associated with work and thinking and school and all all these things that we've been conditioned to hate because of how shitty they were growing up um but these are all what's tied these are all what are tied not school and stuff but like coding and doing all this development is what's tied to innovation and all this new all these new amazing things so i guess the culture cultural conditioning from childhood onward has to change and has to evolve uh so that people can perceive work and life as a more uh, holistic unity rather than a duality and then that would lead to that would probably then that would probably lead to more people beginning to embrace technology and coding and doing all this stuff because right now people many people still see it as voodoo and many people are scared of it <coughs> and I don't think that's good I think it's knowing how to code should be on par with knowing how to type it should be a basic skill that it should be viewed as a basic skill as as much as knowing how to write or type or do multiplication tables, etc. Like, like, uh, yeah, it should be a fundamental skill that everyone learns. 
in in um in public school growing up uh, just to demystify it all because we're missing out on on a lot here with people not knowing how to code and and there's probably a lot of um, logic oriented people out there who just never got exposed to coding maybe they're mechanics now which is fine or whatever they ended up doing maybe they just end up washing dishes at a restaurant but they're actually logic oriented and would be much more well suited as a developer but they just never got exposed to that world in their formative years and it never even occurred to them that they could do such a thing so they're in a much lower impact life path than they could be if they had simply been exposed to it and that's what I'd like to see more of is just exposure in the young years of young people to stuff like that and I think that would be much better for society um, but I guess I've gone off on a tangent on my, my original statement was that there are a lot of questions that you can't find the answers to on Google and that kind of led us down this path uh, do I have anything more to say about that I don't think so it's, I guess in summary there are many questions that can't be answered on Google because there are too many questions and humans aren't answering them all rightfully so because I mean we're still in the survival mindset we have yet to fully master our environment and at the moment the only thing that matters is profit to people so people aren't asking that many questions uh, or that deep of questions or and, and when they and, and a lot of times when they the way people go about asking questions is kind of vague and when they get the answers it's not they don't necessarily want to publish it or that maybe they can't publish it because the way they went about acquiring the answer was not very scientific and they're not well recorded so they kind of have this vague notion of what the answer is in their mind and they bring that uh, vaguely acquired knowledge to their company and apply it such that it um, makes the company better but there isn't really that knowledge hasn't truly been consolidated uh, fully in its final uh, vivid form and published so that knowledge is in a way lost with that person that person will one day forget it or that person will die or that person will quit uh, once they quit and they're gonna forget it because of how vaguely it was acquired so it's kind of a standing wave that kind of just collapses or just kind of kind of just uh, delocalizes and they answer, that answer just disappears it's gone with history and I think that's what happens with most human knowledge is it just exists in the mind of a single employee in a vague way that they vaguely have some weird notion of what it is and then and then they just apply it to their work as they need and then they eventually forget about it or they're gone and that knowledge is gone with them so I guess it's just the lack of recording due to the lack of time which is totally understandable um, and I guess I guess when I was younger I just thought that we had it more together like we had everything we did was 
well recorded and knowledge was well cataloged and but no it's 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 a rickety cobweb of of people just doing what they can to get by in that moment and stuff rarely gets recorded and all of this all of these useful procedures are just vaguely getting passed down from one generation of employees to the next and updated um but but processes are are fragile and networks and institutions it's all quite fragile when you when you really get to the crux of it and no one has the answers and and in, in a way it, that's disheartening but in a way it's empowering at the same time because because it puts the power in your hands and you realize that this is a human endeavor all of this all of this is quite human when you get to the bottom of it it's not it's not ooh spooky alien scientific technology and oh we've done all this crazy weird stuff no it's it's Human beings doing, doing human things, making human mistakes, moving on, dying, passing down what they could, what they can remember, and and you can participate in it and be just as much of a contributor as anybody else, and in that sense, it's very empowering because you realize that everybody else is just like you, and we're all fallible, and. Even the most impenetrable-seeming institutions are just made up of human beings. And that's beautiful, in my opinion. It really exposes the human element of, of uh, these uh, seemingly emotionless, like, profit-driven enterprises. Um, the human element is exposed if you spend enough time in any of these places and and you really get to understand like what you can contribute and that you can contribute and yeah and it just it makes you it makes you feel like less insignificant and it makes you feel uh, less like a cog in a wheel that you that you have no say over um you're a cog in a wheel, but you're, it's but it's as if the cog was self-aware of the rest of the wheel and the rest of the machine, and had control and had some degree of control over it and autonomy, and and then you realize that every human being is valuable and has something to contribute, including you, which might be the hardest thing to imagine from your perspective because. People have people have negative self images, myself included, for a lot of my life, even now. Um, and you just think to yourself, what could I possibly contribute to this world class institution that's been around for decades? They don't need me. I can't possibly do anything meaningful. But that. The more, the more time you spend it, and the older you get, you realize that that's just simply not true. It's categorically false, actually. And, and I feel like the old people are trying to get this acro across to the young people. I feel like 
everyone, once they reach a certain age, has this realization. And by then it's too late. Like they're kind of old and they can't contribute that much anymore. And, and that's, and like old people who are, are really well settled and, uh, old institutions kind of have that vibe about them of if there's a candidate being interviewed, like they have no skin in the game and they're just like, yeah, hire him. He's, he's fine. He'll do fine. Like they have this view of kind of these, a lot of these old timers have this really chill view of, uh, anyone will do because anyone can make it, can make an impact. And they kind of lose the delusion that younger people have of, uh, being a cog in a wheel or, or, or whatever. I don't, uh, what am I trying to get at here? I think I'm, I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to bring this out there so that more people can have this realization earlier because the earlier you realize that you can make an impact and that this is a, this is a human collective human endeavor at its fundamental core. This is a human thing. Uh, the earlier you can realize that, the earlier you can begin to actually start believing in yourself and actually start making a difference rather than just coming into the office every day and, oh, another day at the office, sitting down, check your email for a while, and doing just doing the bare minimum to not get fired, like, which is what so many people do. Um, but I feel like with this awareness of the fact that corporations and government institutions and academic institutions are all just collections of human beings doing their best and failing and succeeding until they retire. All of it, even at the highest levels and even, even the most impressive products out there all have that in common, that they were made by human beings. Once you realize that, then yeah, then your self-confidence can begin to build from a, a, a position of truth and you can really, really become an impactful person. And that's just what I'm trying to get across. And, and, and this realization stemmed in part from the realization that not all questions have answers on Google, my friends, because human beings don't have the answers. Far from it, in fact. <coughs> and... And even the answers we do have aren't all on Google. Most of them aren't, actually. Um, so, so yeah, I encourage you to, to think about that. Just think about how vast, how vast the quantity of information that we don't know is. It's, it's, it's inconceivably vast, vast, because there are things that we don't know that we don't know. And that is the, that is the, what I like to call the deep unknown because it's like, like right like for example, we, there are things we know we don't know that we're trying to figure out, but then there are things that we can't even conceive of that we don't, that's so deep in the unknown that we don't even know that we don't know it. And I imagine that that is an infinite void of, uh, I shouldn't say void, infinite space of truth that's yet to be explored or even being or yet to even be considered for exploration. So just consider that. Consider that the depth, the true depth of the unknown. And know that you can spend your entire life
probing that and getting paid for it, getting paid well for it. And you would never run out of things to do because it's infinite. And that is a that is a that is a mindset of abundance. That is a much healthier mindset to go about uh, doing research or exploring than the other the other way, which is a mindset of scarcity where you kind of just go, Oh, yeah, I'm looking into this, but I probably won't find anything interesting. Because other people have looked into this before, and they're probably smarter than me anyway. And I'm just wasting everybody's time and money, and I'm, I'm actually a fraud. I'm actually an imposter. And eventually people are going to figure that out. And then there will go my job. Hopefully I'll have enough saved up by the time that happens. And yeah, I'm kind of a piece of shit. I shouldn't even... I don't even have the right to be doing what I'm doing here. Like, I'm lucky that I'm not even... I'm just not... I'm just lucky that I'm not homeless. Like that, like that, that kind of line of thinking when you're, when your job is to be doing research or figuring something out, like, and that's, I find myself caught in that, uh, those sorts of streams of thought way more often than I would like. And I imagine other people do too. It's quite unhealthy because everyone has something valuable to contribute and every line of exploration leads somewhere new and more interesting than before. So, so yeah, I just encourage you to try and get out of that, those negative thought habits and get into more of true exploration and true wonder and awe at how, how deep it all is.